Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council, coming at you from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening. We hope you're in good health and even better spirits as the ongoing coronavirus pandemic continues to unfold. Our guest today is Paul Hendershot, the Director of Market Analytics here in DFW for CoStar Group, who talks to us about the economic impact of the novel coronavirus and how the pandemic and its recovery will affect the commercial real estate industry, both worldwide and here in Dallas. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to TrekCast wherever you listen to podcasts and to please follow the Real Estate Council on social media. We'll link to our handles in the show notes. We've also put together an online resource for coronavirus updates, which covers government and health authority response, the effect of the pandemic on the commercial real estate industry, and how you can support local organizations that are working round the clock to help those most impacted by the pandemic. Go to recouncil.com backslash coronavirus. That's recouncil.com backslash coronavirus. And with that, here's Paul Hendershot of CoStar Group right here on TrekCast. Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, you know, I'm working from home for now, but, you know, it's business as usual for the most part. Um, so let's get into it. Let, let's get into it. In in what ways has the coronavirus impacted the commercial real estate industry thus far? What are you guys seeing in the markets? Well, first off, you know, we have to consider the fact we're still, in, I would call the initial shock stage of this uh, pandemic. Uh, really, the peak is anticipated sometime between May or even as late of August, as late as August uh, this year. And there's a little doubt the economy is going to feel some short-term pain as we adapt to the, all the steps to mitigate, mitigate uh, the spread of this deadly virus. So let's kind of just break down a few of the, uh, the major uh, food groups here. Starting with the office leasing, it's basically slowed. Um, as of the first quarter, uh, we're currently reporting 1.3 million square feet. Uh, and the number of deals has really started to slow down in the last month. Now, just for comparison's sake, in the fourth quarter of 2019, we reached almost 2 million square feet. And the first quarter of 2019 was at a 2.5 million square feet. Now, to put this in perspective, the last time we reported quarterly leasing activity below 1.5 million square feet was in the first quarter of 2010. And that was as we were just coming out of the uh, Great Depression or um, uh, Great Recession. Uh, just from a logistics perspective, you know, the travel restrictions and work from home policies have really made it impossible to tour new space. With that being said, we are seeing an uptick uh, in our uh, traffic on apartments.com and LoopNet as folks are really starting to use the, the virtual reality or virtual space to look at new, 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 uh, new, new areas. Um, industrial uh, is basically some of the same bad news. Uh, leasing's at 10.3 million square feet, uh, down from last quarter, 16.5. Um, you know, that's not to say we can't make that ground up because we have such a tremendous amount of supply coming online. Uh, through our, you know, we have one of the largest uh, construction pipelines in the country, and a lot of that space is pre-leased. Um, so we might see that number tick up, um, but we definitely have a, a lot of 
ground to make up to hit the uh, decade annual average of 53 million square feet for the year. Um, retail, you know, let's face it, they really bore the brunt of this uh, initial shock. Um, you know, we, we do track uh, the market in real time, and we have seen a spike in vacancy rates of the last few weeks, crossing just about uh, 6% for the first time all year. And we're seeing some softening in rents as well. Um, and even in our multifamily, which I would say one of the most is most one of the most dynamic sectors, um, and people literally vote with their feet. Uh, we're seeing rents daily, our daily rents uh, flatline, and in a few sub markets even start to decline uh, recently. So, you know that's that's the bad news. Um, we are seeing uh, sales slow quite a bit as you know investors are taking a bit of a wait and see approach, but. With that being said, we are seeing deals get done, um, you know, in spite of all this. But it is getting increasingly difficult as appraisal work, building inspections, and due diligence is almost impossible to get done uh, with all the measures to stop the spread of the uh, uh, the virus. What kind of impact will the pause to business as usual? You mentioned working from home, for example. What kind of impact will that have on local and global economies? And what does the long term version of this look like? I mean, what if what if this pandemic, you know, reaches epidemic levels and then goes on for for months and months? Well, first, let's look at where we were before this shock occurred. Uh, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth economy was on solid ground. Uh, I would even describe it as one of the bright spots of the recovery. Uh, we grew over by by three and a three point two percent over the last twelve months, adding one hundred nineteen thousand jobs across all industry sectors, professional and business services, twenty one thousand four hundred jobs, leisure and hospitality, nineteen thousand, education, and healthcare, eighteen thousand in construction. Even as there's a shortage around the country. Um, they ballooned by six and a half percent, adding 10,900 10, jobs to meet the increased demand uh, for new space. Um, so we built into our forecast even prior to, you know, this, the, the pandemic. Um, I must have been a bit of a Nostradamus because even back in November, I was uh, giving a presentation called Growth Amid Uncertainty. But those uncertainties were essentially Boeing, Brexit, possible slowdown in the global economy, and just the huge shift we expect to see in the labor force is scores of baby boomers are essentially leaving uh, the, the labor force. Um, so I think this will uh, have some, it will have definitely have some both short and long-term effects with two vulnerable industries that I've identified. And in our region is air transportation. Uh, we have over 40,000 employees. The third, uh, three times the concentration of this industry compared to the national average. And this drop in demand is resulting in furloughs, possible layoffs, and a ripple effect through the rest of the economy. And also the construction industry. We've already heard rumors of uh, you know, a possible construction ban. Boston and other places, other metropolitan areas have started to follow suit. And last year, we had 130,000 new residents. And, you know, to meet the demand of all these new folks, we've absorbed more multifamily units than any other metro. Um, and an industry that was already spread pretty thin uh, and experiencing 
construction delays about a year, that could put a further strain on industry already stretched, stretched pretty thin. And uh, the sad thing is many of those projects are affordable in senior housing. And with less units, this could put increased pressure on rents and putting even a larger magnifying glass on the affordability issue. Um, but, you know, the situation is very fluid. And, uh, you know, we, um, and this has definitely shined a light on companies that have invested in technology to enable employees to work from home. And they're really starting to prioritize uh, those investments um, to increase productivity. It's been theorized that coronavirus could hit the Southern Hemisphere harder during that region's winter months. What are the global implications if that indeed happens? Well, I mean, that will really foster that global economic downturn, uh, you know, that we all were anticipating. And uh, we we are starting to see now. Um, with that being said, you know, when you look at how the best practices and how Europe has reacted in, re- in relation to how China has reacted, how the United States has reacted, there are a lot of best practices that they can learn. And, you know, the staying at home, using technology, everything that we're doing now, and hopefully they take those measures in a, further in advance than we do. And so that would mitigate a lot of those, uh, the hardship. It's been speculated that the pandemic could have long-term ramifications on the office sector as companies move, um, companies across many industries have moved employees from the office to remote positions. You touched on the, the, uh, the office uh, sector earlier, but based on your prognostications, what are the long-term effects of, or, or potential long-term effects of this move from the office to these more remote positions? Well, you know, yes, the uh, the sector has been shifting to a more crowded office environment. Um, when you look at just the square footage per employee, it's it's been a, in a steady state of decline. Uh, but that being said, offices are geared uh, towards collaboration. And um, is working from home is more widely instituted um, perhaps some companies will, will um, in particular departments, may start to operate more effectively away from the office, and they might recalibrate the open, open office design um, really to meet the limited staff in office. Um, but with that being said, there could be a bit of a, you know, maybe not every company is designed to work from home. And we might actually celebrate the office because I don't know about you, but I'm going a bit stir crazy myself. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, another area we really need to address is the co-working uh, business model. Um, you know, the idea of a hot desk and shared space, uh, those really popular, you know, that they're probably going to bear, they are going to bear the brunt of this. And an industry that's already, you know, their business model is not shaky, but open for debate. Um, you know, we work the darling of the co-working space, uh, experiencing all the financial hardships and others, uh, really opting to adopt a more of a profit-sharing mo- model with landlords. Um, you know, they might not be the best to deal with this, uh, you know, decline in the, the labor force and, and revenue. 
Um, with that being said, Dallas has relatively limited exposure to co-working. Uh, they occupy about one and a half percent of the total space in comparison to a, a New York or even uh, parts of LA where that number can double and up to up to about three to four percent. Um, so it will be, you know, it will it will be bad, um, you know, for the landlords that have those those operators and you know the large presence in their buildings. But you know, in the short, but it will not, you know, affect the overall industry as a whole. You mentioned the. Um, the recent retail closures as a result to uh, the pandemic. But what does the long term, um, what does the long term um, view on the retail sector look like? I mean, could the the demise of brick and mortar stores be slowed by this pandemic as people, you know, come back to social interactions and want those more, um, you know, the 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 more kind of social experience of of going out to to retail. You know, it's it's funny you say demise because pretty much, you know, every time you hear the word retail, it's followed by apocalypse or demise. Um, but the bottom line is no asset class has realized more seismic changes over the last decade. And the ability of the retail sector to adapt and adopt, they truly are the Lazarus of all asset types. I mean... They, they keep rising from the dead, apparently. Now, prior to the pandemic, Dallas was only second to Houston in terms of net absorption over the last 12 months. And at the same time, we've added 3.5 million square feet of new space. So, you know, retail still follows rooftops. Texas and Dallas, Texas and Dallas Fort Worth in particular have been leading the nation in growth and absorption. And so it was on relatively solid footing. So what that means in terms of the long term, e-commerce is, uh, you know, they're definitely receiving a significant bump as people are shopping uh, from home, um, along with these uh, runs for milk and toilet paper. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, humans are social creatures. We have strong cravings for human interaction. And while the demise of the brick and mortar store has been sold to us for decades, you know, I think as consumers gain confidence in their economic situation, and there's there's going to be a ton of uh, there's a tremendous amount of pent up demand, and people have found a new appreciation for the traditional brick and mortar store, the place where they can meet, the local restaurant, the movie theater, where they can share those true experiences other than sitting in their house and watching Netflix and ordering food. Um, so I'm going to go even so far as to say malls uh, will see a bit of a comeback as well. That all sounds fantastic. Now, when should we start to see things sort of start to return to normal? What What's the anticipated recovery time look like? I mean, I know there's a lot of uncertainty in a lot of different areas of life right now, but what are you seeing for sort of the end game of, of what this looks like and, and a, a time when we can return to normal? Well, the good news, people, companies, governments, they're taking this seriously. It was just announced today that uh, Denton, Terrence, and Collin County have all pretty much put, um, you know, uh, shelter in uh, orders in place. And that's just in our, you know, I just caught that on the news a few minutes ago. Um, and many land, land, <clears throat> excuse me, many landlords have really 
worked with their tenants to, you know, forego rental payments and communication companies have even stepped up to facilitate uh, the number of people working from home. So the, the, um, the total impact is really hard to measure right now because the economy is working, is still functioning. Um, and the, even the retail, um, the, the, the sectors that are affected account for about 40% of total consumer spending. Um, but based on the experience of China and Europe, um, you know, we could see the, the peak, you know, later this year, but we are moving the economy forward. And the Fed has pretty much dropped interest, the federal fund rate to near zero, um, expecting additional stimulate, stimulus, uh, possibly on a state level to target those most hard hit sectors and, uh, you know, possibly extend unemployment benefits. But right now the Fed response can be best described as fluid. Um, you know, it seems like every day uh, new news is uh, break is, is coming out regarding this. Um, but the economic downturn is expected to follow a B pattern. Uh, to put it bluntly, the short term, the impact on the economy is going to be brutal. Uh, you know, we may see uh, unemployment nationally spike as high as 20 percent, um, as some estimates I've seen. Uh, we here at CoStar, we uh, we do we are uh, projecting a bit of a downturn in the economy, not to that degree. Um, for Q1 GDP is going to be negative for the first time in in pretty much in over a decade. Uh, you know, we were in the longest recovery in the post-World War II era. And that could be roughly, you know, roughly about one and a half to as high as, as uh, 2%. Now, Q2, um, that's really going to be the, you know, the, the bellwether, um, you know, of how deep and severe this, this downturn is. Um, but I anticipate a lot of these jobs coming back quickly. Um, due to the fact that, you know, retail and a lot of the um, restaurants, um, oper employment opportunities have relatively low barriers to entry. And, uh, you know, U.S. growth is still expected to be positive in terms of the 2020. And we're still forecasting growth over 3% in 2021. So, you know, this is going to, we're going to feel a lot of pain in a very short period but we will recover quickly as well. Um, and another aspect is U.S. manufacturing. Uh, companies are simply, they're reevaluating their supply chains. Um, you know, they're possibly going to wean our dependence from the, you know, the manufacturing juggernaut is, uh, of China. Um, and at the end of the day, you can never count out the power of the U.S. consumer. Uh, we are truly the global consumer of last resort. And I feel strongly we'll power through this. How does Dallas's forecasted recovery compare to that of, of other markets? Well, as, as we discussed earlier, you know, Dallas was a bright spot throughout the recovery, um, you know, adding about 3% employment a year. Um, we've managed, we, do a, we have done a great job of diversifying our economy uh, through, you know, with the addition of companies like Uber, financial services companies. Toyota headquarters over the last year. So we are on definitely solid economic, we have definitely solid economic underpinnings. Now, 
the the biggest hardship is really going to be going to be felt by those economies like Orlando, which have a very tourist-driven economy, and also places like Midland, Odessa, uh, Houston um, will probably uh, uh, feel a little bit feel quite a bit more pain than uh, Dallas is expected to. Oklahoma City uh, will fall into that category as well. Um, but if the past is any indicator of the future, we should be one of the last ones in and one of the first ones out um, of the downturn. Uh, you know, to use the, uh, you know, economists love to say this, but we are still the cleanest shirt in the dirty clothes hamper. Um, you know, and I am expecting a strong half of the second half of the year. Uh, we, I anticipate us uh, not, I anticipate us, at least gaining all the employment losses that we've had the first half and adding about 20,000 jobs uh, the second half of the year. And in terms of the commercial real estate industry, um, you know, is, is we do see these, you know, the, the leasing activity I expect to pick up because uh, quite frankly, a lot of it, like I said earlier, is just a matter of logistics. Uh, you know, people can't get the inspections done. They can't uh, tour buildings. Um, you know, just can't get outside to, to get things done. Um, so we will see that adjust to the their normal. Um, I anticipate that by the end of the third quarter, um, middle of the fourth um, at, at the latest, uh, because they have been on solid footing. When you look at the total, even if you look at industries, uh, you know, if the stock market is any indicator, you know, energy has lost 51%, transportation 36 Real estate fared pretty well at 16%, uh, about the same as utilities. Um, you know, kind of the bright spot of this was the uh, technology at about 3.5%. So that alone speaks volumes to both the strength and the perceived strength of the uh, real estate sector. Well, let's hope everything recovers swiftly and safely. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, and uh, stay safe. You too. Thanks so much. I'd like to again thank today's guest, Paul Hendershot, for chatting with us about the effects of coronavirus on the economy and commercial real estate industry. Please subscribe to TrekCast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Trek on social media. And go to recouncil.com backslash coronavirus for all the latest news and updates on the pandemic. Please stay safe, wash your hands, avoid touching your face, and keep a safe social distance. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.